Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Uh, really excited for this conversation today. We're going to talk about Rice Biotech launch pads, uh, just all things. <laughs> uh, your recent announcement, and I'm going to kick it over uh, to our guests today, and they're going to give quick intros, and then we'll dig deeper. My name is Amit Vesa. I'm a professor in the Department of Bioengineering here at Rice University. I'm also the director of the Rice Biotechnology Launchpad. Yeah. I'm uh, Paul Curry. I'm the Chief Innovation Officer for Rice University and Vice President for Innovation for the University. Uh, lead a lot of our efforts to create um, speed and scale from the research that we do inside of Rice to get out into high impact, uh, high quality uh, technology out for the real world. Uh, and then the Launchpad was one of those uh, such entities that we recently started. Happy to be here. Well, excited to chat with both of you. And, and congrats on, on all the success thus far. Uh, this launch pad is, is really interesting. Um, Rice is, is always, it, it seems like you're always in the news um, for, for doing something innovative and, and this just continues that pathway. Talk and, and feel free, whoever wants to take the questions first, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. Um, but given, given the Rice Biotech launch pads, like emphasis on bridging the gap from laboratory discoveries to commercialization, can you both talk me through the strategies in place to basically facilitate a more seamless transition. Um, and then I guess part two to that, sorry, that's a huge question, but uh, how does this approach distinguish the launch pad from these other biotech accelerators that exist on the market? Yeah. So great questions. Uh, maybe I'll just go ahead and get started to tell you what our vision for the biotech launch pad is. Um, so uh, of course there's a lot of efforts around the country to accelerate innovation towards commercialization, product development, impact. We're focused in the biotech space, uh, largely therapeutics. Our vision is to uh, bring rice technologies to the clinic as fast as possible. And the model by which we work, we're actually more of a venture creation firm um, rather than an, perhaps an accelerator. And I'll kind of talk to you a little bit about the distinction between our view of how to do this versus um, others. So um, we really start with the clinical unmet need. Again, we're fortunate to be right across the street from the largest medical center in the world, and we can source uh, problems quite easily. We, we go across the street, meet with different clinicians, and really try to understand in a much more sophisticated way where the gaps are in terms of how patient care is managed today and um, really focus on developing disruptive technologies that fit really nicely towards that, uh, that problem. And then once we have that identified um, and, and not, you know, superficially, but like the details, um, you know, the, the questions that we ask are our innovation process starts with thinking about these big what if questions. And of course, it's not like, what if we could cure cancer? Obviously, that's exciting. But we want to try to really refine that and understand what is the gap. Um, and, you know, thinking about it from multiple approaches, multiple modalities. And um, once we have that kind of really identified, we call that the target product profile, which is like, what does the technology have to achieve for it to be 
um, impactful in this setting. We'll come back to Rice, tap into the um, engineers, the talent that we have at the engineering school and the natural sciences, um, really kind of challenge our uh, community to work together to build that killer solution. And at the same time, um, partner with the business folks that can kind of help build a venture around this concept and um, think about things like regulatory, manufacturing, all of these critical gaps early on in the process. And then, you know, that's when a project enters into the launch pad. Um, and, and we'll spend, you know, two to three years to build the minimum viable product, build the management team, help the company secure capital and the right talent in terms of critical employees to spin out as an independent company. Yeah, just to, I think he just gave you the, the tightest thesis of all this that I've, I've I think heard to date. It's a it's an interesting model because um, a lot of like like you mentioned, Jared, there's a lot of folks who have accelerator models. Right. And the distinguishing feature here is that it's really a venture creator. It's this venture engine. And that's what Omid came to me with and others to see if we can push this forward. And it was a real no brainer on our part because Omid knows how to start these companies. He's well equipped and experienced at this from his background. He's had several. Uh, and we wanted to have high impact from the university. So we made the investment to go that to help him go forward. And then he just drives it and creates a number of these product kind of fit venture entities that we know we're targeting so that we can get it out the door and get into the market as fast as possible. Omid said this famously, famously to me anyway, uh, many years ago, uh, he was saying the fastest way to uh to really translate your technology is to get to humans how do you get to humans as quickly as possible jump you know as quickly as you can from the animal models because the animal models won't get you there which is absolutely spot on right so that's something that he also has folded into this how do you get to human clinical trials how do you get to testing patients as quickly as possible and then you speed it up the other side of it is to add the capital piece to it the regulatory piece like he was saying you have all that baked in, you're going to have acceleration of the venture so that it gets into people's lives quicker. That's the real magic of this launch pad. And I think it's it's just a fascinating model that we're, we're proving and instituting into the university because it's been tried and true by him um, mm -hmm. primarily as, a, as an individual entrepreneur. Now he's really folding it in and then training up other faculty and students to really do that. That's mm -hmm. what's really cool. What, what I found really interesting, it, it almost seems like you're in between a venture studio and an accelerator, like you're providing kind of the best of both or, or more of combining the two, right? The best of both worlds to, to help drive innovation and build out these, these companies. And, you know, you're, you're doing it in, in the Houston area. So, uh, you know, one of the cool things I think that you're doing and, and aiming to bring is that. Uh, Houston to the forefront of medical innovation ecosystems, which I mean, I mean, Houston does have that recognition already. So the fact that you're building this here makes a ton of sense. But I guess the, the question I'm trying to get to is how do you envision your your initiative impacting not only the, the local community, but also on a larger scale, uh, contributing to the advancements in biotech on that national scale? Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
ever since the announcement, we've had a really uh, a tremendous amount of interest from venture capitalists, but also people who are um, leaders in the biotech business community, uh, including pharma, that have really reached out and they're excited about what we're doing, largely because I think for years there's been recognition that in Houston, there is quite a lot of um, innovative technology. And of course, we are um, a unique city because we do have the largest medical center in the world. And um, a lot of the clinical trials take place down here. In fact, in oncology, about 70% of the clinical trials take place at MD Anderson. And so the biotech companies, the investors, they're familiar with Houston from that perspective. But there really has not been, um, until now, um, I would say a coordinated effort across all the institutions in Houston, within the Texas Medical Center, Rice, and other entities to really kind of drive building the ecosystem. I think a lot of the catalyst, the reason why we thought, why now, um, is largely because the, the Helix Park campus is a significant investment to really build the, the ecosystem that exists in other cities. You know, when we think about San Francisco, Boston, San Diego, um, Houston can do it in, a, in its own unique way where it would be competitive in certain spaces with those ecosystems. One of the unique things that we offer is having it all in one campus, the Helix Park, 37 acres, $5.4 billion investment, over the next five years to really build um, the place where the innovation can happen, when the company creations can take place, to really attract the top talent. Um, there are certain modalities where it's become clear that in order to um, increase the likelihood of success, you really need to have the inventors working more closely on it. I'm thinking about cell and gene therapies, these are um, or complicated devices that have a lot of um, innovative parts. These types of modalities, which are poised to have a big impact in medicine, really need um, the close interaction of the inventors working with the business people, working with the clinicians, longer into the tech transfer phase than, let's say, a typical like small molecule drug. And I think that is going to, the ecosystem in Houston is really going to try to help facilitate that. And that's where I think we have a unique unfair advantage um, compared to other cities, just because it is all going to be together. You walk in the Helix Park campus, there's all these buildings. It doesn't really matter. You won't immediately be able to tell who's from MD Anderson, who's from Rice, who's from Pharma Company X, who's from Biotech Startup. It's all mixed together in this innovative space, which has been designed to optimize interactions, designed to optimize um, collaboration and acceleration of ideas to clinical practice. So I think that type of ecosystem doesn't currently exist, uh, maybe outside of uh, Boston, but there's certainly ways where I think, you know, in Houston, you can be differentiated. And of course, San Francisco, you know, they've, they've done great, but if you look at that ecosystem, it's quite fragmented and spread across. So if you're, you know, meeting with people at Stanford, Berkeley, UCSF, that's a large distance you got to travel. I mean, you might as well be in different cities because you're going to be talking on Zoom. You're not going to be going back and forth. 
it's not going to be as tight knit of a culture as what we're creating down here. Yeah. Uh, just to add to that, I think um, it's, it's absolutely accurate. You know, one of the interesting things about Houston is we're spread out quite a bit, right? Um, it's a large, large surface area city, right? It's not a densely packed city. But what we're doing with Helix, and this is really Bill McKeon's incredible vision, president of TMC, really doing that. We're partnering with Bill to really enable a lot of what we're doing from the launch pad. The launch pad launches from Rice into the Helix. And that is going to be this big magnet, this great attractor, right, of talent. That's one of the things that we really want to capitalize on. And we're not only seeing venture capital and all these sorts of um, uh, folks who want to make investments, but we're seeing talented people wanting to flock here now. And that's going to be one of the big sort of turning points that we're going to see from this launch pad and what we're doing in the Helix in particular. That concentration is really, really important. And I think that is a, a real unfair competitive advantage. Uh, and we're happy to be as unfair competitively as we can for now <laughs> at this stage. I like that. <laughs> um, and and I know you you two already hit on some of this, but I, I need to ask, you know, what what key factors and methodologies are, are you looking to employ uh, to ensure both a, a rapid and efficient progression of the technologies that you're looking to build? And then I guess what everyone would also want to know is how do you measure uh, all of that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, the way we've been thinking about it is our mission, the way we're judging ourselves on is how many um, INDs and IDEs do we um, achieve through the existence of the launchpad? Um, so we're really looking at clinical translation I think, again, with a lot of these quite novel platforms, they sound interesting. Sometimes investors shy away from them just because there's a lot of risk. We want to try to minimize that risk as much as possible by advancing this through large animals, uh, hopefully in some cases through human trials before we even go out and raise venture capital funding. And that's one of the missions of the launchpad. Um, so we obviously can do a lot of things, but we're also going to be choosy and really selective with the projects that we take on. So um, our criteria is, again, looking at the unmet need, the potential impact that it could have. The core components of the technology need to be at a particular technology readiness level such that we would be able to go from, you know, concept, meaning project enters into the launch pad, to first in human trial demonstration in no more than five years. Um, and if the timelines look like it's gonna take longer than that, it's just too early for us to really prioritize our resources and effort. Um, again, because we're really evaluating ourselves based on INDs and IDEs. And so that's gonna be a big priority and a big, big sort of uh, prioritization um, factor for us. And, um, and, and Paul, maybe we can kick this one over to you to, to kick off, but you know, uh, the launch pad, you've built this external advisory board. So you've surrounded yourself with these experienced industry leaders. How, how do the insights from these executives help with accelerate your, your progress? Yeah, well, it's really, I mean, this is again, Omid, so uh, all credit to Omid on this. Um, Really pulling that external advisory board together has been um, 
is really a lot of Omid's, um, I think, gravitas. Um, being able to pull those brilliant people on here, and Bob Langer's only one of, of many, a huge one of many, but it was it was just amazing to have somebody of those cal that caliber on this on this external board. And then that is really guiding us. There are so many steps, and Omi could you know give you lots of stories around it. But um, we there was like a there was an obvious thing that he had just recently suggested that was like a no brainer if we had thought of it. But he, in his experience, had advised Omi and said, "No, don't do that. You got to think about this." And that's the kind of thing that gets you more honed quickly, and gets you more successful, right? And that's I think a lot of it. Omi, do you want to uh, speak to this? Yeah. So, you know, the, the external advisory board is super critical to what we do. Um, I, you know, what we wanted to really uh, think about was um, the clinicians can help us identify the gaps. We have the talent to build product concepts, but that critical question of, you know, can you build the business around this idea? Because um, you eventually need the capital to really push these these concepts forward. That really comes from uh, assembling, you know, a group of not only brilliant scientists like Bob Langer, but also we have um, some of the top VC funds represented. These are really um, people that have great expertise. They assess technologies, hundreds of ideas on any given day. Um, you know, like people like Josh Richardson from Goldman Sachs. Um, but also um, we have people from Fraser Capital. Gates Foundation. And I think a big part of that was these people can help us assess what the market opportunity is. Is this really an investable asset? But more importantly, what does that killer data package need to look like for investors like this to actually back that? And trying to get that insight at the earliest stages of an idea. Um, I mean, there are certain concepts that, you know, might be brilliant, but really hard to show in a phase one clinical trial that this has uh, an opportunity. So thinking through those critical indication, those key decisions that companies make, um, many times, you know, companies don't fail because the technology is bad. They, they fail because, you know, they pick the wrong indication to showcase the technology. And I think that comes from a sophisticated understanding of, again, um, clinicians talking to business people, talking to scientists, and all being aligned in what is practical, but also what's impactful. Um, the other piece to this that we're really mindful of, and this is a big goal of what we do with the Launchpad and Rice in general, which is we want to innovate by creating better accessibility. We, of course, spend a lot of um, effort here at Rice University to make education much more accessible. But the healthcare that we create, we also want to make that accessible. That's why we were deliberate in, in you know, talking to people like the Gates Foundation the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, we also have Lisa Wright, who is the CEO of um, Community Choice. It's a healthcare insurance company. It's a nonprofit. She has experience. She used to be at United Healthcare. And I think getting that feedback in terms of pricing, really, how is this going to impact the healthcare system? What we don't want to do is create super overpriced technologies that really cause more healthcare problems than really addressing the challenges that we face today. So all of that really goes into the calculus, which is right up front. You know, we may drop a project and, and, and it is really 
focusing on the best of the best. We actually, our process involves looking at many, many more opportunities than we actually decide to move forward with. So there is a triage that happens quite early. But even after projects enroll into Launchpad, not everything spins out. Um, either because maybe the minimum viable product doesn't make sense or the business case could not be made. And I think that's a critical part of this too, is letting the process work its way out. It's, it's actually healthy for some of these ideas to fail. Um, we want to take big swings and um, not everything is going to work, but the things that really come out are going to be super vetted. They're going to have, um, I think, a better probability of success than an average startup would. And I'm glad you, you mentioned uh, the projects a little bit. Last question for both of you. It, can you talk to me about some of the projects that your you're, uh, the launch pad is supporting right now? Yeah. So um, we have about nine companies that are being evaluated and pressure tested right now. Nine ventures. Each one has an RL designation. So we're up to RL uh, uh RBL, Rice Biotech Launchpad. Um, so we're up to RBL 9 right now. Um, one of them, we just had a press release on uh, last week. We had a, and, and, you know, it was really catalyzed because of this publication that came out. Um, it's a really innovative device that can be wireless controlled. And what this device does, it allows you to have an implantable bioreactor. It creates oxygen on site through electric catalysis. It's intended to support cells, but we're really thinking through the indications that are needed. Is it cell therapies? Is it ischemic tissue repair? Is it organ transplantation? So a lot of these are being evaluated right now. That's kind of the work of that particular company, talking to investors, talking to all the different stakeholders. But that's a really cool project we're really excited about because um, it has the potential to really disrupt um, living drug factories, as we call them, biologic, you know, biology requires oxygen. And this is a way to create these living drug factories that could last for, for years, rechargeable. Um, and I think that's quite innovative. And that's one of the things that we are uh, pushing forward right now. But there's, like I said, there's eight other things. So we're going to have an event um, later on this year, um, where we announce the, the first set of um, projects, ventures. Um, and so be happy to come back and talk to you more about them at that point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear more about those and, and continue to see how this, this initiative, how this launch pad continues to grow. Um, I think having you two, uh, so involved with it is a huge win for the launch pad and, and for the projects, these, these companies that are going through there, um, really look forward to staying in touch with both of you and we'll have to have you come back on in the near future. Thank you.